Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. jump right into it. We're going to have fun today. So if you, if I say something you like, can you say amen Amen. or preach it or uh, throw Dr. Pepper at me, whatever. Uh, I like Dr. Pepper. So anyways, but in our, in this series that Pastor Justin has been on, he's been talking about how to not get in your own way, how to not be your own worst enemy. And I've been listening to it each week and I have really enjoyed it. Today, I'm going to talk to you about how to not be your own worst enemy in this way. Are you your own, your own worst enemy when you don't control the things that you can control? Here's the other part of that is many times we worry so much about the things that we can't control that we spend all of our time and our money and our energy and our emotions worrying about the things that we can't control that we don't control the things that we can control. Last night I was thinking about some things that I wish I could control, but I can't. I was going to try to think of two or three to share with you today. So I came up with 10, all right? So these are just a couple things that I wish I could control. I'm not at my home church. I'm away. You guys don't know me. So I'm just going to vent for a little bit. Think of this as a therapy session for me. And I'm going to feel better about myself at the end. And hopefully you guys can, if you agree with these, I know we're Christians, but we can still kind of get a little upset sometimes. The other day, last Tuesday, I, uh, I encountered one of the things that I wish I could control. My son is in fifth grade, and I had the wonderful opportunity to go to a fifth grade awards assembly (laughs) where everyone in the school got an award, all right? Two and a half hours long, all right? It was like, oh my goodness. They're like, and now for the award for chewing gum and walking at the same time, yay! You know, all all the parents are like clapping, you know. Oh, that wasn't, that wasn't. If if you're upset by that, if if I say anything today that offends you, my email is michael at foundationchurch.tv, all right? So... (laughs) Just go ahead, send those emails. Uh, when those send those emails in. How about this one? I wish I could control this. You ever go sit down in a restaurant and you say, and they ask, hey, "What would you like to drink?" And I say, "Dr. Pepper." And then they say these words, "Evil from the pits of hell." Is Mr. Pib okay? Right. No, it's not okay. Go to Chick Fil A, get some Dr. Pepper because Chick Fil A has everything. Go to Chick Fil A, get some Dr. Pepper, and bring it back to me. Amen. I'm getting the, the spirit is moving on the second row up here. All right. How about this one? Every now and then, I'll be driving down the road, listen to ocean, spirit lead me where am I? You know, the spirit starts leading me and so I see McDonald's and the spirit leads me to go to McDonald's and get a double cheeseburger, right? And I get all excited, I get my double cheeseburger and I get my McDonald's. Usually that's when I get the notification on my watch. Your wife just finished a workout. <laughs> um, and so I go through there and I get my cheeseburger and the cheese isn't melted. Oh, Totally ruins it, doesn't it? Melt the cheese. That's my campaign for 2024 if I run for office. Vote for me, all right? How about this one? You ever wish you could control this situation? You need gas, and you're like, we don't have quick trips in Oklahoma City. We have on cue and 7-Eleven, all right? You guys have a quick trip, all right? That's like the, the GOAT, the OG quick trip, right? Um, but sometimes the gas pump's full. Maybe it's like Friday. Everyone's trying to get out of town, and you finally see an open like place to get, like, well, I don't know what it's called, a bay or something. I don't know. The opening to get gas, and you pull around, and right when you pull in, you look over, and there's a trash bag on the nozzle because it's empty. You are allowed. You get three cuss words at that moment, all right? <laughs> Just wanted you to know. 
Here's another one. I was thinking about not sharing this, but I'm preaching and leaving and you already have the email to send your complaints. There's four things that never lie. A child, a drunk, a mirror, and yoga pants, all right? Um, And so I just want you to know, okay, I'm not gonna, this is not for the ladies. I'm not going there. But men, okay, it says in Leviticus, you're not supposed to wear yoga pants. All right, so no leggings. Okay, this one makes me really irritated and this has happened a lot since some of you, like some men are looking like, sorry, wear your leggings, it's okay. Um, when you go to a restaurant, and I'll be like, I need how many people? Two. And they're like, okay, we'd like to have a seat. There'll be about a 20-minute wait. And you go, and I'm like, half the restaurant is empty. Anybody experienced that lately? Amen. I'm on the, I don't know you guys, but I like you because you laugh at my jokes. All right. I experienced this one a little bit this morning, but not as much as normally when I'm driving up here to visit my parents in the afternoon. Uh, my parents live in Zapalpa. We come and we drop off our kids with them. Sometimes we call, sometimes we don't. We just drop them off. Um, but when you're driving and a car is going slow in the left lane, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, you got, uh, man, I'm telling you. And, and then it's only worse if there's a semi next to the car that feels like it's their spiritual gift to make sure everyone goes to speed limit, you know? I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, that's why I don't have any kind of stickers on my car that has anything to do with our church, all right? Because <laughs> I, I just don't, all right? If you have the opportunity to turn right on red and you don't, I want to control you, all right? That's another one. That's a big one. These last two really get me, okay? Here's another one. In, in my name, if you don't edge your lawn, all right? Okay, pet peeve. If you don't edge your lawn, you shouldn't be able to vote, all right? That's just my opinion. <laughs> And thank you. Edge your lawn, all right? My wife is like, you should always paint your toes in the summer. I'm like, forget that. Just make sure your lawn is edged, all right? I'm trying, all right? The only thing worse than not edging your lawn is when you do mow your grass and then you blow it all out in the street, all right? That's your grass, it's not our grass, all right? So those are the 10 that I came up with, but I actually still have a couple more things that annoy me. you ever go through the, the self-checkout at Walmart? Like my wife will call me and she's like, hey, they delivered the groceries, but they forgot a few things, 15 things, and never have strawberries and Mustang. I'm like, can we just plant a strawberry tree? Do they grow trees? Or I don't know, anyway, or plant, sorry, not tree, plant, sorry. A bush. So you go through there and you're fighting your kids and you go through the self-checkout and then you have, so you have all the stuff, you're trying to get home, because you got to edge the lawn and everything, and you're, and you're going home, and then you get to the front, and I'm like, can I see your receipt, please? I'm like, no, you can't see my receipt. It's the self-checkout. If you wanted to see my receipt, you should have checked me out. Can I get an amen? All right. That is, those are all my things. I feel better now. We can go home. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. All those are things that if I'm not careful, I will spend all my time, all my energy, worrying about all these things that I can't control. And this is what I've learned in life. If Satan can't deceive you, then he's perfectly content to distract you. If he can't get you to sin, he's just gonna make sure that you don't live a life that's gonna try to inspire anybody else to live for Jesus. Because you get so upset and you're so busy Facebooking and tweeting and and TikToking and telling the world about all of your problems, getting on the, we have the Mustang Happenings page in Mustang. I can't believe it. The other day someone was complaining. <laughs> we're in Mustang, it's growing, but we're still a little country. Somebody was on there complaining because somebody hit a turkey and didn't stop to help it. I'm like, you're supposed to give it CPR or something? I'm like, mount that thing on the wall, all right? 
So I just wanna ask you guys a question. Are you controlling the things that you can control? Because like I said, you, maybe you're not controlling the things that are right in front of you that you can control, or perhaps you're so focused on everything that you can't control that you're not focusing on what you can, all right? I, uh, I want you to think about the last three years real fast, okay? It's been a little crazy if you haven't been paying attention the last three years since 2020. Aren't you glad we're done with 2020? <laughs> so here's the, last, here's the last three years, okay? In a nutshell, all right? In case you were asleep and you weren't paying attention, here's the last three years. COVID, masks, vaccines, riots, UK and Russia, school shootings, gun control, who killed Epstein, <laughs> Homeschool, private school, public school, just don't go to school, school vouchers. OU left a big 12. Lincoln Riley is a traitor. Then we get into January 6th, an election fraud. And just to make you feel better about yourself, we're less than two years away from another presidential election, all right? Isn't that gonna bring the country together again? Yay. (laughs) And in case you're not sad or have anxiety yet, Christmas is less than 30 weeks away. All right. (laughs) All that stuff can make us go crazy. So today, I just want you to ask yourself this question. Am I controlling the things that I can't control? In 1 Peter chapter five, it says this. Cast all your anxiety or the things you can't control on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. In other words, be aware of the things that you can control. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. When I read that verse, I see a responsibility and I see a promise. Our responsibility is to be alert and sober-minded, control the things that we can control, and God's promise is that he will restore us and that he will make us strong. The words alert and sober-minded both speak to, um, are both words that talk about being in control. So God help me to be alert and sober-minded and be able to control the things that I can control. I don't think there's another story in the Bible that talks about and teaches us and shows us about a person who was in a situation where they absolutely had no control like the story of Joseph found in Genesis chapter 35 through 50. So I'm gonna summarize Genesis chapter 37 and then I'm going to read you Genesis chapter 39. And I, as we do this today, I want you to think about if you were Joseph, how, would you, how you would feel. In Genesis chapter 37, I'll give you a little summary. Who in here has a sibling? Anybody in here, you have a brother or a sister, all right? Raise your hand if you know you are your parents' favorite, all right? You're like, I know that I am, all right? You're, <laughs> all right. Raise your hand if you know you are not your parents' favorite. All right, Raise, there's a lot more of that. All right, don't point. I, are you guys brother and sister over here? Is that, is that okay, is she the parents' favorite or you? You, you are, all right, he, he was like, I am, all right. So in Genesis chapter seven, there's a man named Jacob who has a bunch of sons and the youngest is Joseph. Joseph was his favorite. Many of you know the story. You can read about it in Genesis 35 through 50. Some people ask, why was Joseph Jacob's favorite son? His his dad gave him this big fancy coat, a coat of many colors for his son to wear. If you were wondering why did Jacob love Joseph so much, it says in Genesis chapter 37, it says Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in an old age. Let me translate that for you. Most scholars believe 
that Jacob was 91 years old when Joseph was born, all right? Jacob, go Jacob, exactly. He's 91 years old and he fathers a child. He's listening to Toby Keith. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was, right? That's why he's walking around. Can you imagine parent-teacher conference? Who's that? Your great-grandpa? No, that's my dad. He's like, yeah, I'm Jacob, all right? <laughs> Don't be getting, okay, never mind, all right. But as you go on, Joseph has a dream that his brothers are going to bow down to him. Just a little piece of advice. If you have a dream that your siblings are gonna bow down to you, don't tell them, all right? So, so now he, his, he's already the, his dad's favorite. His brothers don't like him. He has this god-awful coat that he wears all the time that annoys his brothers. And then to cap it all off, he decides, I'm gonna share my dream that my brothers are gonna bow down to me. And God did give him a dream, and it was part of his purpose, but his brothers get fed up with him and so they decide one day that they're going to kill him. They get him, they throw him in a pit. One of the brothers says, let's not kill him. And they see these slave traders coming by and they decide instead of killing him, they're going to sell him into slavery. And as I read this, I want you to think about that first Peter that we talked about, casting your anxieties on, on in God, not worrying about the things that you can't con to control, but controlling the things that you can and this will take a minute or two, but I want us to read Genesis 37. I rarely read a whole chapter when I'm preaching, but I want us to read this, and I want you to really think about this. It says, so this is after Joseph had been sold into slavery. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he's working for the guy that's a captain for the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have to worry about a thing except for what kind of food to eat. Because if you're a man and you're in charge of everything, all you worry about is what you're gonna eat, right? Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Insert Pastor Michael, right? And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in the entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. He didn't even say it would be a sin against, against Potiphar. He said it would be a sin against God. So she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but she left his cloak in her hand as he ran out of the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled. She called out to her servant. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. The Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said, but when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. 
Joseph was, uh, and, and then it says in verse 19 that Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. Many scholars believe that Potiphar did not believe his wife because if he really would have believed that Joseph tried to, to, to take advantage of his wife, he would have had him put to death. But instead, he put him in prison. And many think because Potiphar, he was just irritated with the situation and he had to just get it taken care of. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph. See the pattern here? The Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. If we're not going to be our own worst enemy, there's a couple things that we have to make sure we control. And the first thing is this, if you don't wanna be your own worst enemy, you have to have clear eyes. You have to have clear eyes. That what does that mean? It means I will focus on God and what I can control. Proverbs chapter four, verse 25 says this, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. This next verse is my favorite verse. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. As I've said many times, many times we get so worked up, we don't have clear eyes and we don't focus on the things that God has put before us. And because we spend so much time focusing on that and we don't have clear eyes, we don't see the things that God wants us to control. And when we don't have clear eyes, it's very easy for us to become our own worst enemy. A couple years ago, I was talking to a young man he was in his early 20s. He graduated high school. He was going through depression. His girlfriend had just broke up with him. He was having, his, his mom was like, can you talk to him? And so I came in. I'm not a very good counselor, um, but um, I, I sit down with him and I'm with our youth pastor and we're talking to him and this is what he says. I'm not belittling this. I'm not saying that these aren't big issues that he was worried about. I'm simply communicating. I think this is a pretty good example. We sat there and he's, he's sad and he's crying and he's upset. And I said, how can we help you? And this is what he said. He said, I just don't know what to do about the sea turtles with the straws in their nose. It's okay, true story. And he said, and all the wildfires in California are going crazy and I can't do anything about them. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? I ask him these questions. Let me ask you some simple questions, okay? What time do you usually go to bed? Three, four in the morning? What time do you usually wake up? About noon. Do you ever exercise at all? No. What do you eat? Uh, maybe some McDonald's. Hope they melt the cheese. Um, maybe some ramen noodles. Do you go to school? No. I just kind of sit in my room and play video games all day. You have a job? No. Do you go to church? No. Do you spend time with God? No. In other words, this is what was happening to him. He was worried about all these things that he couldn't control. I guess there's something you could do for sea turtles with straws in their nose. I don't know what it is in Oklahoma. But he was worried about all these things that he can't control, and he wasn't focusing on the very basic, simple things that he can control. And can I just challenge you with this thought. These things right here have made us aware of everything that goes on in the world the second that it happens. We know about tornadoes a week ahead of time now. 
You ever been to your kid's elementary school when there's a tornado coming? It's like nine o'clock and everyone's like, we gotta get home. I'm like, I got popcorn. I'm ready for the show. All right, we do things a little different in Mustang. We're excited. One time a tornado hit a, hit a tiger safari in Mustang and they came on TV and said, quit going down to Tuttle trying to shoot the tigers. All right, I'm like, crap, we gotta turn around. All right, <laughs> we were all excited. Tigernado, all right. But these things right here have made us aware of everything that's going on. God is omniscient, God is omnipresent. What I mean by that is God is all-knowing, God is everywhere. You're not supposed to be everywhere and you're not supposed to know everything. Well, why, Ryan? Because you can't handle all of it. It's your job. I think some people, when they get to heaven, God is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And the next thing he's gonna say is, I never asked you to do all that. And I definitely never ask you to worry about all of it. But Ryan, the world's going crazy. There's sea turtles with straws in their nose. I know. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm gonna go home and I'm going to love my wife. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna be the best dad that I can be. I wanna go home and I'm gonna edge my lawn and blow the grass back into my lawn. Why? Because I'm a Christian, all right? But all I'm asking you today as we have fun is do you have clear eyes? Are you focused on what God has put in front of you? Or are you worried about all this stuff? I'm not saying that it's not important. I read a big long list of all these things that have happened the last three years and I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm just saying that you know what? God has helped me to realize it's a whole lot more important that you're a good dad and you're a good father than it is that you try to do everything else that's going on. And I think that if there's a lot of people that would start being good dads and good mothers and and good people that we would probably solve a lot of the problems that we have in the world anyway. I always thought Justin was a great preacher. He's not a great preacher. You guys are just really easy to preach to. That's what it is. (laughs) Don't tell him I said that. The second thing is this. If you don't wanna be your worst enemy and you're gonna control the things that you should, you have to have a full heart. That simply means this, I will put my whole heart into what I do because of who has put everything into me. Ryan, what do you mean by that? When I say you put your whole heart into something, that means you put all of your attitude and all of the best attitude and the best effort that you can into that. I love our high school football coach. His name is Coach Blankenship, not Owasso's Blankenship and not Broken Arrow's Blankenship, it's Mustang's Blankenship. And I'm just gonna tell you Eastsiders, Mustang's coming, all right? Jinx fans, you got away with one last year, all right? Oh my gosh, up 18 going into the fourth quarter. All right, when you go to Mustang's practice, you will hear our coach Blankenship say this, attitude and effort, and then you'll hear the rest of the team say, I can't control, except for the freshmen, they say, I can't control, because their voice hasn't changed, all right? (laughs) But Ryan, why, why do they say that? Because you can't control how tall you are. You can't control your weight, I've tried, you can't. You can't control how, (laughs) you can't control how fast you are. You can't control the referees. You can't control your opponent. You can't control the what? You can't control everything, but you know what you can always control? You can always control your attitude and your effort. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Why did Joseph succeed? Because he was thrown in a pit, and I'm not saying it was fun, and he didn't like it. He sold into slavery, and what did he do? He didn't become his own worst enemy. He had enough enemies out there that he didn't need to become his own worst enemy, and what did he do when he got to Potiphar's house? He started working not for Potiphar, but he started working for Potiphar in the way that he was actually serving God. And I think... God looked down and said, there's a man that I can trust. 
Then he gets falsely accused. A lot of us would have quit, gets accused of raping someone. He didn't do it. He ends up in prison. And what did he do in prison? He started doing the same thing. He started working. And so now there's a pattern in Joseph's life. It wasn't just Potiphar that could trust him. Now the warden can trust him. Why? Because Joseph, whatever you do, work it out with all your heart, a full heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. He had a full heart. When it came to Potiphar's wife, he guarded his heart. And so he had a full heart. Do you put your everything into what you can? When you do something, do you do it? One of my favorite sayings is this. If you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly, right? (laughs) No one's like, ooh, koala bear, right? (laughs) If you're gonna do something, let's do it. You can't control the world, but you can control whether or not you show up to church ready to go. You can't control the world, but you can control that you spend your time in God's word. You can't control the world, but you can go home and you can serve your spouse. You can't control the world, but you can be a great dad to your kids. You can't control the world, but you can go to work and you can be a great employee. You can't control all of those things, but you can live your life that Joseph did with a full heart that makes people step back and say, what is different about you? Luke... That's right, clap for Jesus, sir, sure. okay? Because that would be weird to say clap for me, so clap for Jesus, okay. <laughs> Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. And if you don't have clear eyes and if you don't have a full heart, you're gonna miss the little things and because you miss that, it's gonna keep you from being able to do the big things. Finally, If you don't wanna be your own worst enemy, if you wanna be able to control the things you're supposed to control and not worry about the stuff you're not, you gotta have clear eyes and full heart, and the last thing is you've got to have a sound mind. Ryan, what does it mean to have a sound mind? It means this, I will speak and believe the truth and take every thought captive. I love 2 Timothy verse one and seven. This is another one of my life verses. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I believe that fear at times can be a spirit. We're supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit, not fear. I believe Satan will use fear. If Satan can get you afraid, he can control you. Why does someone say, stick them up, hands up? Because then they can control you. But what does the Bible say? It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. One of the most lethal weapons you can have to fight against the enemy is a sound mind. And one of the biggest ways that you can be your own worst enemy is if you don't have a sound mind. Everything in Joseph's world was out of control, but his mind wasn't. The question is, how do you respond when your circumstances don't match up with your expectations? He expected for his brothers to bow down to him and instead they threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. He expected to be doing great things for God and instead he's a slave. He expected to be ruling over these people, telling them about God and working for God and instead he's in prison working for a warden. What happens when, those, when your expectations and your reality don't line up? I'll tell you what happens to me a lot. That's when Satan starts talking to me. Anybody in here ever have Satan start talking to you? Can I just remind you that the Bible says that Satan is a liar. In fact, it says that he is the father of lies. When he speaks, he is literally giving birth to lies. It says this, we demolish 
or we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. What I believe that verse is saying is that Satan will give you his opinion. But his opinion of you is a lie. And it says, then it goes on and it says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I wonder if Satan didn't say, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna serve the warden. He's gonna stab you in the back just like Potiphar did. I wonder if when Joseph was in prison, if Satan ever said, you know what? You could have just slept with her and no one would have ever known. But Joseph said back to him, nope, because I can control that. I'm going to have clear eyes and a full heart and a sound mind and I'm going to control the things that I can control. I also believe this. I believe because he had a sound mind in the back of Joseph's mind, he never let go of the dream and he understood this. God is not punishing me. God is preparing me. Ryan, what do you mean he is preparing me? How, what do you mean he was preparing Joseph? What I mean by that is this. Joseph became, and a few chapters later, he becomes the number two in all the land because of his dream and what he interprets. He is able to help the whole country avoid a famine. And he was the number two in command. He had to learn, when he was working for Potiphar, he learned how to deal with the up and out. And when he was in prison, he learned how to deal with the down and out. He had to go through those things to learn how to deal with people, to learn how to rule, and God had to know if he could trust him. I'm gonna ask you today, do you have a sound mind? Or is there a chance that you're listening to lies from Satan? Satan is such a good liar, and in closing, Shannon, if you wanna come back up, I have five seconds, all right? <laughs> um, Satan is such a good liar that he will fabricate evidence to back up his lie. Okay, Ryan, what do you mean? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you this example and then I'm gonna pray and we're gonna go home. And it's Memorial Day, so watch war movies, all right. It says this, that when Joseph's brothers threw him in the pit, they wanted to convince their dad uh, that something bad had happened to him. So this is what it says in the Bible. It says, then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. So imagine this. Somebody brings to you your child's clothes with blood all over it, what would you think? So then the brothers killed a young goat, dipped Joseph's robe in his blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. You know what makes me mad about this story? The Bible implies that they didn't even go to their father, they just sent the robe. So Jacob is sitting there and he gets this package delivered. The Amazon man shows up, he looks out his camera and he goes and says, oh, I have a package. He goes out there and it's his son's robe with blood all over it. And it says, look what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? The father recognized it immediately. And this is where Satan whispers something into his mind. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. Here's the opinion from Satan that becomes reality in his mind. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Verse 36 says, meanwhile, 
the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh. Jacob had convinced himself because he believed a lie that his son was dead when in reality he was well on his way to being prepared for the dream that God had given him. Today, I simply wanna ask you this question. Are you controlling the things that you can control? And if you're not, you're becoming your own worst enemy. Perhaps you're worried about all this stuff that you can't control, and if you're doing that, you're becoming your own worst enemy. I wanna encourage you to have clear eyes to see what's in front of you. If, you. if you're in a bad situation today and you say, I don't even know how I got here and I don't know how to get out, can I give you some advice? Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing, how? By having clear eyes to see what you're supposed to do, full heart by giving it everything that you have and a sound mind to not believe the lies from the devil. Will you bow your heads with me today? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that we can come before you, God, and that you wanna help us, that you, that you love us, We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.